about movies from the past, the present, the future, and every fandom in between. My name is Mike, and we are part of the Retrologic community, which is a bunch of swell guys and gals on Discord. <laughs> and I'm with my co-host, Adam. Adam, are you here? Oh yeah, baby. You better believe it. Yep. We're all here. The gang's all here. And I think... I'm not mistaken, Adam, that we are the only uh, podcast right now on RetroLogic. <laughs> That's active? That's active. I'm a little sad. I'm, I'm a little sad because I got, I found my love mm. uh, during the week with the other podcasts because those guys did excellent jobs. Of course. They'll do excellent jobs. They, they, they do excellent jobs and... Right now, they're they're charging their batteries, mm. uh, evaluating life, but we're here to fill that gap with all your film knowledge. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And you know, uh, yeah, it's, that's what summer's for, right? You know, getting a mm-hmm. get some time, some R and R. But you know what else is perfect in the summertime? movies yeah baby and what are we talking about today well i was thinking we can't do the take the summer off because that would be the dumbest move in movie history right because the gems come out during the summer right right and i mean there's different times of year right you know you think into the fall into the winters you know you kind of get a little bit more you know, Oscar bait, maybe movies, or you, you know, towards the holidays, you're going to get your family friendly ones. And then, you know, around springtime, there's always a Marvel movie or two. But summer, summer's where the blockbusters live, man. Yes, that's where the aliens and the cowboys fight. For sure. Have, have you ever watched a movie on Christmas Day? Because there's always one every year. And I always mm. wonder, like, who are these people that see? I know they exist, but right, right. I mean, yeah. I've I've done it on Thanksgiving, but I haven't done it on Christmas. I've seen stuff like Christmas Eve, and I've seen it like the day after Christmas, but never on Christmas. I'm usually doing stuff. Like I feel like the people that do like the I'm going to see the opening movie on Christmas Day. They're not related to anything Italian. Because an Italian family would never, ever take a, I'm going to go see a movie on Christmas Day as an excuse. (laughs) Right, right. And, you know, not to paint with a very broad brush, but, you know, there are other cultures that don't necessarily celebrate the same Western holidays that we do. So, you know, that's really what, the movie theater is about though right like it's the it's the great melting pot everyone's welcome good you know i'm i'm glad that they have something to do mm, for sure and yeah like like i said i wouldn't go on christmas but yeah thanksgiving i've done that yeah you're not standing in line at uh, best buy 6 a.m no no for sure not okay and no 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 and you know, I, and I can also see it too. Like, you know, mom is, you know, busy cooking in the kitchen. She's just like, you know, older brother, you know, get these kids out of the house for like four hours, please. While I just get ready. I can see it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I could, I could see that too. No one's uh, no one's ever gifted me with a movie to get me out of the house. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Yes. Um. So. Mm. And I, I have to I have to walk back what I said. If Uh-oh. I didn't mention that our, our retrologic it does do a lot of streaming on the the YouTube. Yeah. So don't think that they're slackers. No, they're just no. not talking into microphones. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. You know. You know. Sometimes even when you do things that you love, you got to take a break sometimes, and that's totally okay. And you should do that too, listener. Take a break. Yeah. Go out for a walk. Go on the swings. Right, exactly. But whatever you do, don't stop listening. Yes, we need this. <laughs> we need the metrics. I'm so sorry, guys. <laughs> we need this more than the writers who are on strike. Yeah, right. And I definitely feel like we, you know, we'd be remiss as a film and movie podcast if we didn't say something right at the beginning, right? You know? Yeah. You know, these, you know, these people, these writers, these actors you know, they put their heart and souls into these things that we love and, you know, get these people paid what they're due. And, uh, you know, some of the, some of the stuff coming out is pretty harrowing. Like, did you hear about like the, how Disney wanted to pay like background actors for like one day of work and then they could use their image in perpetuity for the rest of their, you know, for the eternity without having to pay them again, crazy stuff like that. Were they, Hoping to do like a like a face scan and then yeah exactly yeah pretty Uh, much crazy yeah yeah and then also I don't know that reeks of like uh, cyberpunk like (laughs) levels of corruption right for sure like that's that's just so gross yeah that's like Aeon Flux level exactly hey hey hey. Uh, oh, sorry, I'm stealing your thunder. <laughs> hey, hey. Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I have to I have to get on my soapbox. I have to say mm. that the writer, when his vision is honored, and if he is, in fact, amazing at writing, then, you know, he, this person that writes it kind of carries the movie. I mean, the director is good at the montages and the the scenes and and getting the feel. But, you know, it's the writer that gets us from point A to point B. So give them the money. Give them the money. For sure. For sure. It's, yeah. You know, whatever whatever soapbox, how, how little or how big that we might have it, you know, to, to pay these people, right? And yes. you know the the point of of these of movies and stuff is that they they allow us to, you know, think about the big questions, the serious questions, and they allow us to be truly what's human and explore what that means. And you know, you can't get that through an AI. And you know, pay these people the 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 wage that their labor has earned. Absolutely, or hire me because. Probably the going rate is really nice compared to. I know I couldn't live in LA with what writers are making now, but I could live in Rochester. <laughs> yeah, but don't be a scab, Mike. Don't cross the picket line. Don't do no, it. I won't do it. 
speaking of crossing lines, uh, what have you been watching in the last two weeks, Adam? Man. Well, I mean, I, I've been, you know, obviously anxiously awaiting this week. Um, you know, Oppenheimer comes out this Thursday and um, Barbie also. Barbenheimer. Um, Hashtag Barbenheimer. <laughs> um, I, so I plan to see Oppenheimer Thursday. So I see that opening night and then I'm seeing Barbie on Saturday with some friends who've decided to do the double feature. So I'm, you know, I, I'm just excited that people are excited to go back to the movie theater. And, yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. But I, I've also been partaking in some other summer blockbusters. Um, I've, you know, recently seen the Indiana Jones movie, um, which was, I mean, hey, like, it's not Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, and, but, however, I, I do think it's a it's a fun... It's exactly what you want out of a summer movie, right? There's there's yeah. some good action sequences, some great quips, some one-liners, um, and Harrison Ford's in it, and he's just as curmudgeonly as ever. And you know, it's it's yeah, it, it's everything you want from a, a summer movie. And um, you know, really, uh, what I was looking to get out of it is like, were they? Um, were they able to capture, you know, even just a little bit of the fun uh, of the, um, you know, the originals? And, you know, I, I think they do. I, I think there's a, a certain level of adventure, or a certain level of fun. And, you know, the the action sequences are really big and um, they're really grand. And uh, I, I really enjoyed um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. And um, hopefully, maybe into the future, they'll um, they'll use her again in the context of Indiana Jones. But um, yeah, the cast um, was great, and uh, yeah, definitely recommend. Without spoiling anything, do they pass mm. the buck to a new a new indie, or is there hope that mm. it's going to be revitalized? Mm. I I think that they kind of do yes and like. They, the way that it ends, it definitely feels very final. It feels very wholesome, and it feels very fulfilling. Um, and I, I think that they leave the door open for other things to take place in the universe of Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that Harrison Ford and the studio would want to go forward with Indy as, like, the main protagonist. Yeah, okay. And in the after credits scene, does uh, Angelina Jolie (laughs) um, and uh, Nicolas Cage in their respective, uh, you know, ghosts, like, tomb raiding jobs, (laughs) visit him and say, we'll take it from here? (laughs) Yeah, no, I I wish. I mean, that's... You know, that's some that's some Marvel DC stuff. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I saw that in theaters a couple weeks ago, and the other thing that me and my friends um, have been getting into is um, a couple of my friends hadn't seen any of the Harry Potter movies. So um, we've been slowly making our way back through those, and we just saw last night, we watched the, the second one, the uh, Chamber of Secrets, and... You know, I, I, I don't know what happened with CGI and, you know, the effects in the time between, like, 
when Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings and, you know, those movies were coming Mm -hmm. out and now, because the second Harry Potter movie still looks as good as it did on the big screen as it does now. Like, it, it holds up the, you know, the, 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 the practical CGI effects look really great. It's really clean. You know, the, the, the acting, I mean, you, you know, you know, the actors, I don't have to say anything, you know what it is, you know what you're getting, um, but it, it holds up and I'm, you know, how many, how many movies can you say from, you know, 15, 20 years ago that you could say that about? Baffles me is that WB, Warner Brothers, billion dollar company. Made the Harry Potter series. Right. They have a track record of knowing how to make beautiful, artistic, fantasy-driven things. And yet, the company that should be known for beautiful art and imagery, DC, <laughs> is having the most trouble with it. Like, <laughs> yeah. There has to be a conspiracy. <laughs> It's it's insane. Like even like their in their live action stuff. I mean, of course, you think about your mind immediately goes to just WB's past relationship with, you know, Christopher mm-hmm. Nolan and just the the perfection there. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, even stuff like you know, Ten Thousand BC or the Batman Lego Movie or Argo, mm-hmm. even you know, even some of their stinkers like Wrath of the Titans. Yeah, like, they still look beautiful. Kong Skull Island, beautiful. Yeah, right. So that's why my theory still stands: is that <laughs> people, this is intentional. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what it is, man. Anyways, enough superhero talk. Yeah, no superhero talk. Yeah, you know, you didn't. You've been hearing enough of our superhero talk, so. We did exactly the opposite of superheroes. <laughs> um, I want to talk to you about two things I saw. Mm, or no, mm. three things I saw. Uh, and they all have different levels of disturbingness. <laughs> so, first of all, there's the horror mm. of, uh, you know, I'm going to murder the title, but it's, it's a prime exclusive um, about the hold on, let me look it up. The horror of Dolores Roach. Um, it's about a lady who's a masseuse in current day, like New York City, and she finds out that she's an accidental serial killer, and she's with this very creepy dude who really wants to get behind her and help her, so he keeps cooking the people that she accidentally kills. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's supposed to be like a modern day Sweeney Todd. Okay. Okay. Demon Barber of Fleet Street. Sure. Um, but it's, it's incredibly disturbing. Like prime. I know they're, they're all about that. Like they're like, Oh, Netflix is turning up the maturity level. Well, we can be twice as gross and man, they, they serve it on a platter. Like, like these, the scenes I've seen in this movie, both uh, gory and sexual, are living in my head rent free. Yikes! And 
like I was just kind of watching it in the background. My wife, she's into the, the murder mystery stuff. Mm-hmm. And this was more murder than mystery. But did she did she enjoy it? Um I think she didn't enjoy it when I started not enjoying it. Um, <laughs> it's it's supposed to be one of those like life gets crazy and look how gory it gets. Um mm. make your skin kind of crawl series. Um I'll have to say that the ending, I don't know if it was an ending or a lead into season two, but the ending looked kind of dumb. Like it didn't pay off very well. Yeah. And it definitely seems like one of those kind of movies that has a really great pilot and maybe Mm -hmm. like has legs for an episode or two. But then, you know, you look at a 10 season run and you're like, or like a 10 episode season run and you're like, maybe not. Yeah, and it's one of those. It's one of those things that looks better in a trailer. Sure. And then you see it, and you're like, "Oh, I need to take <laughs> a bath after that." Right, and it it does sound like you know a weak kind of combination of Demon Barber, Fleet Street, and like Dexter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it definitely. It feels like a like they're trying to match the levels of grossness to Dexter. Um, there's. We read up on it after we saw it because I'm like, I want to know what gross person <laughs> did this. <And> it's <laughs> supposed to be like a metaphor for, uh, you know, uh, that term when when new buildings take over, you know, poor neighborhoods. Oh, gentrification. Yeah, it's supposed to be a metaphor. I'm like, really? That got lost. <laughs> that got lost between the eighth cannibal scene and. <laughs> you know this weird guy and so yeah and i mean if the metaphor if you have to read the wiki to find out what the metaphor is for the thing that you're watching you you probably didn't nail it yeah so if if you're you know i uh, i don't have netflix anymore which i'm hoping to change in the future so i, I often think oh well maybe prime can you know scratch that itch and I'm finding that Prime is not, like, Prime goes too far. It's like, you know, the, the third grader who tells really good, like, bathroom jokes. <laughs> and then, like, the friend next to him doesn't want to be beaten, so he tells, like, he goes too far with the jokes. Mm. And that's what Prime is. Yeah, and I, I feel like <laughs> Prime either, yeah, it goes one, it goes one way or, or too far the other way. Yeah. Um, cause there's like, there's some, there's some decent stuff on there that, you know, maybe if they, you know, like I think of always when I think of prime, like the, the go-to for me is Jack Ryan. Like I love that show. Yeah. Um, but I, I just wish it was a little bit more violent. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like it, it just feels a little too USA prime time or like USA, like, you know, the reruns that play at like three in the afternoon when you come home from school. Uh, uh so like you, it's, didn't think, you didn't think Jack Ryan was violent enough? Yeah, I mean, especially when you think about, like, other um, shows in that genre that exists. You think of, like, even you think of, like, 24, right? Like, it yeah. came out before. Like, it, it felt like 24, I don't know, it definitely felt like 24 had higher stakes. It definitely felt, um, the violence, uh, yeah, I felt like the violence in 24 was, like, more consistent to me. 
at the level that I would like. All, all I thought is I don't want to see Jim from the office naked. <laughs> and that's, that's fair. That's, that's all fair. I, I thought. That's so fair. next to that disturbing movie mm. is a movie that should have been as disturbing, but it actually feels squeaky clean in comparison. And that <laughs> is I got to see from Angel Studios, The mm. Sound of Freedom. Mm. Um, now, this is a movie about child trafficking, and it's a true story about um, an agent named Timothy. Can't remember his last name. But uh, his tr- his real life adventure of saving children from trafficking, using his wits to trick uh, traffickers to get arrested, and I think what makes this movie cool, Jim Caviezel plays Tim, is uh, you know there there wasn't any groundbreaking chemistry between characters or like cool heist scenes or anything like that. But I just think like it's grounded in the fact that this was based like based on a real story. This is a real thing that somebody did, and I think that kind of carries it. That like makes you kind of feel proud that you're watching it, and, you know. And it's I really like the fact that it, it's he used nonviolent methods. I mean, yeah, the police had to come in and arrest them, but you know he's not having Liam Neeson fights and killing like fifty people just to save his daughter. He's using like real police tactics and detective tactics to get these guys and to save this one person. Mm. Um, I know that there's some controversy over, you know, this was written by whack jobs, but you know, I go back to the source material where if, if whack jobs want to get me inspired to stop trafficking, I say, you know, Go right ahead. I did not see any red <laughs> flags of government conspiracy in this movie. Mm. Um, it's heavy-handed, and it's it's trying really hard to make you cry over children. Mm. Um, using music, using the tears in Jim Caviezel's eyes. And it really likes to put, like, the camera on his face and may- show him crying. Like, almost as if he's begging you to stop the trafficking. <laughs> right but you know it's it's a it's a it's a feel-good movie especially when you when you get to the end so mm. and for sure another another note about angel studios is they're 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 trying to hit home runs with their drama and their even their science fiction um there's this movie called cabrini which seems like a dark historical tale about early new york about this uh, nun named Cabrini who started the Sisters of Mercy organization that kept people from dying when they were trying to immigrate in New York's like beginning beginning stages of life, and um, it's the, it, was, it was a really weird trailer I have to say because every scene it had this this actress come up and say, "I'm just an Italian woman," or "I'm a woman from Italy." And another guy would come up and be like, oh, is that the Italian woman? Oh, it's me, the Italian woman. Oh, the Italian woman can't do it. Oh, are you calling me an Italian woman? And it's like every scene is trying to, in this trailer, they're trying to beat it over the head that she's an Italian and she's a woman. And then it ends with Jonathan Lithgow thinking, saying, I honor you like a man. Oh, but I'm an Italian woman. It's just, weird it's funny it's like okay we get it movie 
Like this is a this is a this is a big thumbs up for the ladies. We get it. And Italy for some reason. Yeah, right. Who'd have yeah. thunk? Who'd have thunk? Yeah. And um finally I saw the movie Secret Invasion, or not the movie, the series Secret Invasion. Um it gave me all the born identity feels. Um really like uh Samuel Jackson's role in it. Um, I haven't seen past episode one, so I only know like two scrolls. And it also it bothered me that they were naming off scroll scrolls that like Nick had been a part of in his right. life. They're like, oh, is that you know blah 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 scroll? Oh, and he'd be like, oh yeah, I remember him, but he's not as bad as blah 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 scroll. Oh, oh yeah, he's way worse. And I'm like, who are these people? <laughs> Who are, right, who are you people? Yeah. Um yeah, for sure. And I mean maybe at you know, at some point down the road we'll do a maybe when it's all done, we'll uh we'll do a comprehensive conversation about it. Maybe we'll bring back uh some previous guests uh that enjoy Marvel. Yeah. Um yeah, and we'll do a we'll do a conversation. But that's not what today's about. No. Today is celebrating a special lady. <laughs> Not An Italian woman? Oh, okay. <laughs> no, she's not. But before we get that, Adam, I have to end on a light I have to end our beginning on a lighter note. Yes. Um, so do you ever think about like you've seen trailers like ten years, fifteen years ago, and you're like, did I see that trailer? Did I does that does that exist? And mm. And I've had that feeling. I've had that deja vu where I'm like, yeah, that was definitely a trailer. <laughs> that was definitely a trailer. Mm-hmm. And so I've been thinking about the cast of Baby Geniuses. Uh, baby Geniuses are about these babies mm-hmm. that have superior intellect. And the movie did so well, despite its Rotten Tomato score, that they had a second super, like Baby Geniuses two, where the babies get superpowers. And I know we're not supposed to talk about superheroes, but these babies uh, got me thinking. It's been <laughs> it's been twenty years since they did this movie. Right, they'll they'll forever have that in their resume, even though they were one years old or whatever they were walking. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I had to wonder. I had to wonder. Like, did they move on from just being these drooling babies? And fun fact: all of these babies are twins or triplets because what? you can't you can't have a baby like just a lone baby on this. Oh. On the studio, you have to like, like, there's like some rule that you can only have like a baby in front of a camera for 15 seconds or something. So they had to like bring in their, their double. Sure, sure. So I looked up these babies and I wanted to quiz you uh-huh. if you can guess where these children have, what, the, what they have done. <laughs> okay, okay. Hopefully none of them are in jail. So, here's the fun fact, though. All of these mm-hmm. babies have twins. Right. One baby within the twin or triplet subsection does something in the future. Oh. So, 
one twin is like, I'm really into this movie making business. And the other one is kind of like, nah, it's not for me. Oh, okay, fair enough. Okay. So Super Babies, Baby Geniuses 2, has mm-hmm. Max Isles, who plays Archie. Okay. Um, do you think Archie was in an episode of Law & Order SVU or an episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Oh, uh, uh, use all I feel, your background knowledge. I I feel like everyone and their mom is on Law and Order, so I'll go with that. You are correct. Okay, okay. And that's the only thing he did. And <laughs> so, okay. I feel like I was a. I feel like that was a softball. Yeah, I think like you get a free coupon <laughs> to be on Law and Order after you do a movie. Yeah, for sure. Like, he, like, yeah, it's not hard to get on Law and Order. Yeah, I think I've been like I had to turn down a few times, but yeah, they they just keep calling. Yeah. So the second baby, Miles Fitzgerald, mm-hmm. who plays Kahuna. Oh wow! Which Does was he have a, water powers? He was a popular name in the early two thousands. Sure, I'm sure, I'm sure. All right, was he on an episode of Unsolved Mysteries? Or FBI oh. files, or drive-ins, diners, and dives. <laughs> <laughs> my heart, my heart says diners, drive-ins, and dives, but my brain says FBI files. That is correct. You're at a hundred percent right now. Yes, okay. I love this. All right, Jared Scheidman, who okay. plays Finkelman. <laughs> okay, okay. There's a baby called Finkelman. Okay, um, was he in? The uh, cozy 12 days of Christmas or the cozy 12 dogs of Christmas? What? Um, Are you sure that these aren't the same movie? (laughs) Um, I'm going to say the dog one because that one just feels more Hallmark to me. I'm sorry. It's the 12 days of Christmas. Oh, man. You're right. If it was a dog one, it would be like, Mary Barksmith or something like yes. that. Yes, right, right. And you you can't put a baby next to a cute dog. The dog would totally win all the affection. Right, yeah. Okay. Well, now we have Joshua Lockhart, who plays <laughs> Alex. Oh, bad boy? <laughs> yeah, he's the bad boy of the group. I'm sure he is. Uh, was he on an episode of Lizzie McGuire? Oh. Or an episode of Life with Derek? Like now, that's that's something I haven't heard of in a long, long time. Um, you know, I I feel like Disney really liked his work on Super Babies because that was the kind of drivel that they were putting out. So right. I feel like it was just a a straight pipeline to Lizzie McGuire. Ah, oh, I wish I could say yes, but all <laughs> this poor baby could get was Life with Derek. <laughs> and once again, once Life with Derek. And some other project he did. He was like, nope, I'm done. Good for him. Yeah. And now we have the very famous Anastasia Travato, who plays Tasha. <laughs> okay. All right. Was she in the children's movie Million Dollar Parakeet or Million Dollar Dog? There's no way they made a movie about a parakeet. <laughs> right? <laughs> There's no way. Who watches that? Uh, give I me the know. dog. Always the yeah. dog. The the dog is a million dollars. That is correct. 
Yeah, there's no way. A, a parakeet? Come on, what's the market? Yeah, it's a, it's a narrow margin. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. All right. And finally, I had to go to this other movie that I've always been curious about. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know how Jim Carrey was amazing in the 90s, and he played the first comic book character to be like Deadpool? He played in The Mask, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, there's a sequel to The Mask called Son of the Mask. Correct. Which takes all the cool comic book things about The Mask and right. makes it about like a toddler, a toddler <laughs> who wears the mask. Right. And does crazy, stupid baby antics. You know, typical early 2000s things. Well, that's played by Ryan Falconer. Okay. Who plays Baby Elvie. Oh, right, as you do. Was Baby Elvie, was he in Renfield? Was he in Secret Invasion? Or was he in Baby Steps and Paw Prints, a featurette on the DVD of The Son of Mask? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go with the last one. That is correct. (laughs) That kid has done nothing with his film career. Hey, you know, I I hope that all these people found their calling in life and that they escaped out of the shadow of their domineering stage yeah. mom and dads. Right, like I it's just it's so sad to see that none of them got the acting bug. Like right. longer than one episode of something. <laughs> and it's just it's so hard, right? Cuz like you you know, you want to be able to create stories and you want to be able to, you know, tell stories that involve kids and children. But, mm-hmm. you know, child actors, they kind of suck. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it doesn't carry. Like, you can say to a toddler, oh, you were in this movie that made $100,000. And they're mm. like, yeah, eh, I don't even remember. And you're right. Like, you, you ungrateful. But I'm okay with the writers of these two movies not getting paid that much. Right. Yeah. Right. And I mean, can you I mean, can you think of anyone that's like like was I and of course there's a you know, you could throw a, a you know, a hat at any dozen of child actors that are still successful, like, you know, Daniel Radcliffe or the Fanning sisters or Drew Barrymore mm-hmm. or whatever. But can you think of anyone that was, like, a baby actor that's still, like, acting? I can't. There has to be some psychology that if you're a toddler in a show or a movie... Right. It's, it's like, that's what kills the the passion for you. (laughs) Yeah, right? Like, maybe the closest I can think of is, like, maybe, like, Neil Patrick Harris being on Doogie Howser. Yes. But, like, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe the the Olsen sisters, but, like, they don't really act anymore. And right. Their yeah. Sis- like, their, their sister's way more famous. They're probably the most famous toddlers to have kept the job. Yeah. Right. So if you hate acting, come <laughs> on, you were in a movie as a toddler. Right. Actually, it's probably Drew Barrymore, right? Like, that's... Like, she's probably the most famous. Right. How how young was she when she was in a movie? Because she was the, the kid sister on E.T., right? Yeah, yeah. 
but I don't know how young she was. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Who knew 20 years later, never been kissed, would <laughs> skyrocket her career? Right. Or, um, you know, the famously the guy that plays um, Short Round and then also just won for mm-hmm. Best Supporting Actor, um, Juan Lee. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he's probably he's probably up there, right? Yeah. Well, thank you for playing my game and for t- for us all like going on this journey to see whatever happened to the Super Babies Baby Geniuses too. Yeah, and, right. Whatever happened to him? Yeah. But speaking of someone who doesn't need to be a toddler and definitely doesn't need to be a twin. We're going to talk about the Summer Actress of the Year, 2023, Charlize Theron. Yeah. Woo! Yes. Adam, we, we stewed over who's going to be our summer portrayal. Uh, we talked about Pitts and Brads and Cruises and... Yeah. And Mirren's. And uh, I am happy we we landed on Charlize Theron. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I, I think she's, to me, she's the quintessential, like, female, like, equivalent to your, your traditional male summer blockbuster actor, right? Like, she's every bit the equivalent to, you know, Keanu, to you know, Tom Cruise or, you know, what have you, right? Like, she's, you know, good-looking, handsome, beautiful, like, you know, those other guys. But, you know, she also does her fair share of stunts. She's tough as nails. And, you know, she can act her socks off. And, um, yeah, and she's been in a lot of, you know, what I would consider summer hits. And, um, yeah, the, the, the season... You know, movies would look a lot differently without her there. She's she's definitely in the right. top echelon. Yeah. I mean, you can get excited about her action movies, but you shouldn't like Liam Hemsworth her because she wants to add a brain to her acting career. She doesn't mm-hmm. want to just go out ramming cars into other cars. She wants to, like, she wants to feel the drama and the 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 risk of acting in each movie. For sure. For sure. I mean, I think, you know, the, of course she's been in a lot of things that are, you know, are very popular, but I think what kind of really what launched her into superstardom was Mad Max a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, I think she really kind of stole the spotlight from Tom Hardy, which is, you know, that's hard to do, right? Like Tom Hardy is, you yeah. know, someone that I would say is, you know, in that conversation about, you know, summer blockbuster actor. Um, but yeah, she, you can't look away from her and she's on when she's on screen and it's, you know, her, her acting chops definitely, definitely uh, burst off the screen. Right. You know, her career is so diverse. Mm. You know, she's in summer movies like the Italian job. But then she's in tear jerkers like the Cider House Rules. And right. then, you know, she's in movies that make you think in our edgy movies like Young Adult. And then you think you have her pegged. And then she goes to full atomic blonde. 
and and then you think you have her pegged there, and then she's a voice actress on Kubo. <laughs> right. Also, very underrated animated movie. Right. So, I I don't know if this is like me going too far, but like when I see Charlize Theron as like on a movie, I automatically think, okay. You know, this is going to be a like a smart movie. This is going to be a, a movie that makes me feel something. This isn't going to be junk food. Right, right. Hmm. Exactly. Like, for every, you know, for every Italian job, she does something like Bombshell. Yeah, right. Like, I would say that, like, Italian job... Well, no, she was in the Fast and Furious. I was going to say, okay, so she is able to do junk food movies... But even then, like, even then she doesn't let it define her. Right, right. She's, yeah, and I would say that that's, she she kind of, like, to me, um, her equivalent, uh, you know, male actor would be Keanu Reeves, right? Like, she's she's in these big, grand sci-fi blockbuster movies, Mad Max, mm-hmm. you know, to his Matrix. Um, you know, she's in these, like, really gritty kind of action, real world sort of, you know, hunt him down, shoot him up. So like, you know, John, his John Wick and her being in like the old guard and atomic blonde. And then she's also able to like do, you know, things like, you know, your, your, your generic, you know, just like cool action with things like, you know, his like 47 Ronin and her doing the Italian job or, you know, um, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, it's, yeah, I I think that they're very, very, very comparable. And they look, they both look incredible behind the wheel. Right. You got to put them, you got to put them in cars. For sure. Yeah. So some cool things I learned about, I'm so glad I learned about Charlize Theron. Mm. Uh, She was born in Benoni, Johannesburg, South Africa. They wouldn't tell Mm -hmm. me the year because they're probably, IMDb is a gentleman. Um, Yeah, no, respect. She was going to go into ballet and modeling. You know, she did things, she won awards for her ballet and her modeling. Right. Uh, She did things like Swan Lake. Uh, But then when her knees got injured, she gave up modeling and ballet to do acting. Mm Mm-hmm. And her fun story is she moved to L.A. um, And when she would go to from place to place trying to get acting gigs, (laughs) when she went to a bank, she tried to cash a check. But when it was refused, she made a huge tantrum and a stink that a movie scout got impressed and gave her his card. So imagine having such a beautiful tantrum. (laughs) A guy who is can make you money. Is like, I want that tantrum behind a camera. Yeah, get that thing behind the camera. Yeah, none, no. None of my tantrums in uh, in Starbucks get any of that positive attention. Right. Um, also, uh, I don't, I don't want to, I, I don't, we're already rabbit trailing. Um, mm-hmm. I offhandedly said a little bit ago that Mad Max came out a couple years ago. It came out in 2015, so I don't... <laughs> It was, yeah. It's more than a couple of years ago, and I'm super depressed about that. Yeah, yeah. Let's. Anyways, moving on quickly. Right, <laughs> right. 
So her first movie was Children of the Corn, Urban Harvest, mm. which I had no idea. Right. Lynn and I, we saw it. Someone posted it free on YouTube. So Lynn and I saw it. And we're like, wow, Children of the Corn, number three. <laughs> like, the corn actually goes into the city. <laughs> that was the whole gimmick of the movie. Uh, but I'm sure she did a wonderful job. It was her first gig. Mm. Um, she would go on to win the Best Actress for a movie called Monster in 2003. Um, have you seen Monster? Uh, I have not personally seen it, but I generally know what it's about, and I know that it's... Um, I mean, not that Charlie Theron or... Christina Ricci needed, you know, any more oomph to their kind of to boost their careers. But I do know that it's like, you know, their uh, seminal works in their their background histories. And, you know, it's a it's a pretty it's it's a pretty serious, pretty. Yeah, it, it's it's a very harrowing <laughs> story. Right. She, Charlie Saron plays um, a serial killer in it. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's. Directed by the the same person that did Wonder Woman, Patty Jenkins. It's all coming full circle. Right? Oh, it's back to superheroes. <laughs> right. No, we're moving on. Nope. We are mo- yep. Um uh, Yes. But yeah, no, yeah, that, that movie definitely got um it got it got a lot of buzz and um I, I think what was uh what was really interesting was the conversation around that movie because I think kind of really up until that point that that came out um, Charlie Theron was definitely more of people thought of her as you know they, they liked her just for her looks and then when she did that movie um, like that wasn't what the character was right like yeah, you know she wasn't you know done up she wasn't like you know, she wasn't trying to emulate the the model ballet of her past, right? Like she was this very right. down on her luck sort of um, prostitute, and um, in the movie, and people were like, "Oh, right, she's not just you know a pretty face; like she can really, really act." And um, I think the the conversation shifted from her just being another you know starlet in Hollywood to oh, no, this is, you know, this is a leading lady. This is someone that, you know, has some serious chops. Mm-hmm. And, you know, before that, she was in that thing you do as, like, the adorable girlfriend. Right. Um, sharing the scene with um, Tom Hanks. And I, I think everyone wanted her for her looks. And yeah. then I, I really think she proved that she can be, like, a gross person. Yeah. Like like in young adult she can be like this uh gross adult that's always drunk. Right. Like you can still value her. You don't say, Oh, she's lost her purpose because she looks gross. You say, No, no, this makes me want to look at the screen more. Yeah. Which I feel like very few actresses can do. I mean, try try it, Jennifer Lawrence. Try to be <laughs> gross and ugly. And see if people want to stare at you. 
Um, yeah, for sure. I and you know, I I think she can. I think her ability to to to, to kind of swing in both directions is really something that kind of defines her, right? Like she's doing, you know, one second she's doing the road, right? Yeah. And then the next she's like this regal queen in, you know, the Snow White live action movies. Right. Being a villain, she's she's very good at being a villain. Um, just being mm. like cold hearted or crazy. Uh, <laughs> because in the road, she, she plays like the the flashback wife, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. the one that's like, no, I don't, I want, I don't want to have babies. I just want to be dead in this world, and you know, right? And you're like, okay, she's crazy and depressed, but you know, I mean, she under- does, understandably, <laughs> she does it in a way where you're like, oh man, like if the if the job is to hate this person, she is nailing it, right, right, and again, another one of the one of the world's you know, really underrated, you know, underappreciated movies. And yeah, I, I definitely think that she's, um, yeah, I, I think she's a, a big reason for it. Her and Vigo Mortensen, of course. Yeah, good old Vigo. Good old Vigo. But this isn't Vigo. about him. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so, yeah, like, how would you define her acting style? Like. Mm. It's, I would say it's serious, even in action movies. It's always like this serious, contemplative style. Yeah. Like Keanu Reeves, like you said, like, they always look like they're thinking. Right. They're very, she's very introspective, I think. And, um, yeah, you know, I, I, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to have to typecast her or, you know, validate her acting by comparing her to like a man but i think that she kind of she does bring a similar energy to kian as keanu does um but i i think the difference is um whereas keanu is definitely more which is you know uh he he kind of brings a certain level of like grace i i guess like he's he's very like flowy with his actions Mm -hmm. um and he just flows into his movements, whereas Theron, it feels like she's very, she's very direct, right? Mm-hmm. Like every one of her movements has impact, and yeah. there's not like a lot of wasted energy, right? Like, you yeah. know, she everything she does is purposeful, and she's yeah. very, com- she has a very commanding presence. And you know, she always plays a character that's being rushed to do something or irritated by something (laughs) or I don't have time for this garbage like that. She has that face in a lot of her movies. For sure. For sure. And I think one of the the many things that I appreciate about her is that she, her and the characters that she plays um, more often than not, she's the smartest one in the room, right? Like she's, she knows what the exit strategy is. She, she's thinking, you know, two, three moves ahead she's she's large and in charge and no one questions it and you know that's that's really it's always awesome to see and um to to me what i kind of keep going back to and something that i'm really excited for um is the 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 second iteration of her movie the old guard um i I think i've talked about it on previously on this podcast but 
um, yeah, she she kicks serious butt in that, and she takes no prisoners. And um, yeah, it's I, I'm really excited for the for the second iteration yeah. of that. And you know, she had that same acting kind of mindset that like uh, I'm getting too old for this. You know, <laughs> yeah, it irritates me. You know, <laughs> right. I'm in a rush to live my own life. Get away from me. Right, right. Um, but then I also do think that she, um, she then also always has um, a good sense of 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 justice. Um, where I, I think Keanu is uh, like his his sense of like what's right and what's wrong. I think is more along the lines of mm-hmm. like what's what's fair. Um, and, but for Charlize Theron, I think she doesn't really care about fairness as much as it is. She cares about getting what, um, getting what her and her friends deserve, if that makes sense. So, like, if you're her friend, she'll go in the movie that she'll, she'll go to any lengths and, um, like, it doesn't matter, you know, if she has to kill someone or it doesn't matter what the morality um is she'll do it if it means helping out her friends and she'll go to any lengths to protect those right. those bonds and i think it's in a lot of her movies it's kind of like it's hard to gain that but once you do she's a she's like a loyal friend for life yeah she does the the like i didn't think i was going to get into a relationship darn it you got into my heart now i have to sacrifice myself for you kind of a motif Right, right. She's she's definitely uh she's got the mama bear going on. Yeah, but the difference between her and Keanu is no director wants Keanu to speak paragraphs. Like Charlize <laughs> oh, is yeah. allowed to speak paragraphs. Yeah. One line is enough for you, Keanu, but Charlize, <laughs> you can do monologues. For sure, for sure. And Keanu definitely does the the brooding, contemplative, you know, the one-liners, unless he's in Bill and Ted's, for whatever reason, um, or Point Break. Um, yes. But this isn't about him. No. Um, but, yeah, no, Charlize always has, like, the, you know, she always has a, a monologue or two about, you know, just, uh, she's always just so grounding, it feels like, right? Like, she she always has, like, yeah. a, a sense of gravitas. Yeah. If you had to give someone a weekend to experience her movies, uh, which five movies would you say you absolutely have to see? Oh, that's that's a great question. Um, I mean, I, I think the, the, the easy answer, I think I have like three really easy ones and then two maybe not so not so, you know, off the top of the head, mm-hmm. your head. Um Definitely the old guard. I think that's that's number one for me. Um, I think secondly, I would go right to. Oh, I thought it was gonna be easy, but it's not. I, I'm, I'm Mad Max um, yeah. for sure. And then three, I would say I, I think you have to go right into um, Atomic Blonde. I think. So those I think are her three like kind of acting like really serious ones, mm-hmm. and then I think to like kind of get outside of that, I think you have to, I think you have to watch. You have to say Monster, right? You got to see her yeah. for her Academy Award, um, mm-hmm. and then I, I think to kind of like maybe 
palate cleanse from that. Maybe just get a little Kubo in there. Just right. get a, a little voice acting. Um, so I would say those five. Um, and, you know, for the, you know, if there's someone that's, you know, under the age of 18 listening, uh, first of all, welcome. Uh, and you maybe can't see any of these R-rated movies that we're talking about. Um, I would say maybe swap out those, the, the two R-rated ones there. Um, or the three, because I think Atomic Blonde is also R-rated. Um, I, I would swap those out maybe with the Fast and the Furious movies. <laughs> and uh, Astro Boy, where she's like uh, the narrator. Oh, um, forgot about yeah. that one. Okay, right. And then uh, I would then throw in um, another fun, adventurous, actiony uh, the the Italian job. I think. So my my pick would be yes. You know, she's in a lot of sci-fi. Like she is. Like, you could do different playlists with Charlize. You could do, oh, I want to do a sci-fi. Sh- okay, if you do a sci-fi playlist, you're talking Mad Max and Flux, The Old yeah. Guard, Prometheus. Yeah. Um, if you're talking about, like, movies that, you know, tear at the heart and are about relationships, you want young adult, you want a uh, monster. Yeah, Bombshell. Yeah, Bombshell. You know, The Cider House Rules. I mean, that that is an award-winning movie. Yeah. And you can see her in her nineties career. Um, if you want the, you know, the popcorn flicks, you know, fast eight F nine, uh, Italian job. Right. You know, if you mighty just, Joe young you know, fall in love with, uh, you have mighty Joe young. If you want to see her fall in love with Seth Rogen, long shot. Yeah. Um, I, I heard good things about it. I, she does comedy really well, right? She's in a million ways to die in, in the yeah. West. And, yeah, so yeah. she's you know she's funny too. Yeah, she's like the Steph Curry pick of any draft, you know. <laughs> right, right. And I yeah. think that as someone who doesn't know sports, but if I saw Steph Curry, I'd pick him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that I think I think that's really good. I think that's really accurate. And yeah, yeah, I, I think if you look at her her list, her list, you know, it definitely, you know, it reads like Leonardo DiCaprio, right? Like it. You know the roles that she has. She has a lot of hits, not a not a whole lot of misses. And um, but I would say even beyond like well, you know what Leo Leonardo DiCaprio or Tom Cruise does, but she does just a lot of genres, and she does a lot of genres really well. She does kids movies, she does comedies, she does you know these biographic ones, um, you know bio flick ones. She just action. She does it all, mm-hmm. and does it all well. Would would you say that uh, her her role in Prometheus? Would you say Ooh. it was a positive thing in the Aliens movies? Um, I, I think Prometheus. Prometheus is hard to talk about. I think because people went into that movie with such astronomical expectations for it, mm-hmm. and it's an I, alien I, movie without aliens. Right. And um it, like I it's one of those movies where you either love it or you hate it. And I I think that for the people that love the movie, Charlize is a reason that people really do like it. Mm, like she's she's, she's a definitely choice. she's definitely like a positive. Um but I think 
or people that dislike it, I think that they point to her as them trying to replace, like, Ripley. Right, and she doesn't hmm. really have that energy. She wasn't trying to, like, set aliens on fire. Right. And I think people were maybe a little disappointed by that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, and, and, and that's what's hard, because I think Prometheus, to me, was just, like, a Ridley Scott, like, passion project. Like, that was just, like, him going for an artistic... He had to just get this vision off of his chest because it's such a divergent movie from right exactly it's like such a departure from the formula for the other alien movies right Mm -hmm. it's like watching Hobbs and Shaw and getting upset that it's not enough racing scenes (laughs) right right for sure Um, but no I I think that she's a net positive in in that movie right now, was she the one that got into the, I don't know, the surgery machine? Yeah. And that was her? Okay. You know, a lot of these things, I'm like, oh, that was her, retrospective. Yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm pretty, sh- pretty sure. Yeah. It's been, a, it's been a while. Don't quote me on that. Sorry. <laughs> We're gonna I'm to pretty sure, though. We're going to have to episode one of these. Yeah. Days. Yeah, we'll have to go back and watch, but I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. 65%. So, yeah. <laughs> So, um, action scenes. Yeah. Um, she's been doing action for a while. Mm. Would you say that uh, she's she's good at action movies? Would you say that like she adds value to the the punch and kick and the shooting and all that stuff? Oh yeah, I mean absolutely for sure. I mean she's. Um, I think she has the. I think the. The problem that I think some female actors have in portraying action is that a lot of them are physically smaller and the way that their action sequences are shot don't favor them. Yeah. Um, or the people doing the action sequences aren't traditional actors that do action sequences. Like I w- I was always really on the fence about like Scarlett Johansson being Black yes. Widow, right? Like she she's not a traditional action hero archetype right. in my mind. Um, don't you know? Great actor, yeah. But um, like I I definitely see her as more of a oh hey she's in you know Wes Anderson's Asteroid City and she'll probably get some Oscar buzz for it, deservedly so. Um, but like that's where I see her. Whereas yeah. Theron has like this this physical presence, right? Like she's, yeah, you know, in in you don't lose her in the fray, right? Like she's, you can see her, you know exactly where she is, and she's the center of attention. And yeah, yeah, yeah. like the she, yeah, she's yeah, fantastic. Yeah, with um the Black Widow, um with Scarlet Scarjo, mm-hmm. um, she, she like. As soon as she was in action scenes in these Marvel movies, she made it. She made it popular for that that wrestling move, the Hurricane Rada. Yeah, you know, every female is doing a Hurricane Rada, which is where you wrap your legs around someone's head and spin around. Yeah, and I hate that. I like. I hate like 
that just because she did it in that one movie, now everyone's doing a hurricane rata. If you're a female, it's like it's a law. Um, I'm I'm glad. I don't think Charlize does it in the old guard. I could be wrong. Um, but like I like the idea of females doing like karate kicks, taekwondo, you know, blocks, punches. Um, I know Carrie Ann Moss with Trinity made it cool for women to like jump up in the air and then everything to freeze. And like everyone's copied that and they kind of see that as like, like if women are going to be in fight scenes, they have to, it has to have that energy, the Carrie Ann Moss energy. And I think Charlize, uh, she doesn't go down those roads and I'm glad. I, I, I don't think she like, her roles are like heavy in karate, but you know, they are in like, like just practical fights. Yeah, I think she's she's just brutal. Like I think in like like in Mad Max when they're um when she's like fighting with um Tom Hardy, right? Like she's she's his every physical match in that, right? Like she's <laughs> she's doing these really, you know, you know, she's grabbing him and throwing him and she has one arm. Like she's, you know, tossing him around. She's, you know, throwing him grappling yeah like she she does a lot of traditional quote-unquote male actions but she's you know still every bit you know uh, a female and 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 how she she carries herself and it's 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 yeah it's powerful to see and you know part of me really wanted like we have homework we had homework assignments we had to watch one movie um and talk about it. I really wanted Atomic Blonde, but I'm going to yeah. tell you about uh, the movie I did see, which I thought was really good as well. Mm. Should we just go over to Show and Tell? Yeah, for for sure. Um, yeah, and I, I think my my for me it would have been very easy to pick, you know, any of the uh, any of the movies that we've been talking about, bigging up, you know, like I. Like, I could have just gone to watch... Like, I could watch, you know, Mad Max and The Old Guard back-to-back for, like, days on end. Like, I'd be okay with that. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I know Anne Flux is, you know, not the most critically well-received. And that has scared me off of it. And... Well, the plot uh, is ridiculous. Oh, it's ridiculous. It's Yes. And, you know... And maybe this is a conversation for another time, but the West, for the life of us, we cannot figure out how to adapt anime properly. We we, we nope. just can't. We cannot. And um, and it, like the it, it yeah. It, so the the plot makes no sense, and um. Yep. But what it does lack in that is it does have some pretty, some pretty cool action sequences. Um, so I mean, we could talk about that. But I mean, did you want to introduce what you, what you so, ended up seeing? So and Flux, which I did see at theaters by myself um, <laughs> when it was out, because I just wanted to get a cool popcorn flick. Being yeah, I remember when it came out? Was I in? I was probably in college. Um. But I saw, like, I, I went through her her movie filmography, 
and I saw In the Valley of Elah, which okay. it's uh, so Tommy Lee Jones. The movie is mostly Tommy Lee Jones, but Tommy Lee Jones finds out um, during, you know, Project Iraqi Freedom that his son goes AWOL. Like he just came home from a tour in Iraq and then his son goes off the reservoir and Tommy Lee Jones is in charge of finding his son. And Charlize, she plays kind of like a detective um, who kind of works beside him. And she she carries the energy of someone who gets harassed in her precinct because she cares too much and she's a female and the guy's kind of like, the kind of uh, gaslighter on a lot of things. So she has to like be extra tough and kind of like cuss them out a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, she also has that same energy of like, uh, you know, I don't have time for this. I have a job to do, you know, get out of my way. And so that's kind of, but like beside that, you also see that she's a mom and she's, uh, you know, she's, taking care of her son uh, by herself. And, you know, she kind of, she kind of learns a few things from Tommy Lee Jones who plays like this dad who's been in the army. He's done his, he's done his military time and he's, he kind of lives by military rules. Um, The movie ends up being like commentary on the Iraq war and how it messes up soldiers. It, it turns them into like these insane people who can't who lack common sense because they're so unhealthy. And, you know, it gets to that point at the end of the movie and you're like, Oh my gosh. Like, and it does it in a very subtle way. It's not trying to jam it down your throat, um, but it does it in the way, like it, in the backdrop of like this murder mystery, like what happened to, uh, Tommy Lee Jones' son. And what does it have to do with a tour in the Iraq war? So, like, it had me hooked because I really wanted to figure out what happened to this kid. Um, and, you know, one of the things, like, Charlize, she doesn't eat up the scenery. Like, she doesn't make the scene about her, but she kind of, like, lives within the atmosphere of the movie in a way where you can appreciate her. So I think she did a really great job about that. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones did a great job too. Playing like the grumpy curmudgeon who just wants to find his son. Um, And like, I know this movie would have been a hot topic in 2000s. Like Mm -hmm. you would have people steaming at the armpits. Um, It wasn't that popular. So like it didn't have like any public outcry. But now seeing it in 2023, I'm like, oh, Oh, like I feel it. I, like it's a part of history how they feel about this war, right? Yeah. So, like, like to me that felt more impactful. Is like, uh, you know, I don't have to feel like this is a hot topic. I can feel like this is a reflection on how people felt, and uh, it ends in a very powerful way about how they felt about the uh, America going into this war, but it was also. And, you know, it also, it's a look into how soldiers who just got off their tour, how they were living. Um, I I won't say that it's for everybody, you know. Uh, It's a great story. It's a little slow. 
uh, for some reason, like every bar they go into is a strip club. <laughs> like even even ones where you're like, oh, a normal bar, and then like, boom, nope, just kidding. Uh, yeah, that was kind of weird, but I would say it's a it's a great story. Right. Okay. It's called In the Valley of Elah, which is like a. It's because Tommy Lee Jones keeps telling this story about David fighting Goliath in the Valley of Elah, and it's supposed to be about how a young kid fights a monster that's bigger than himself. Right. Right. Interesting. Interesting. Yep. Well, I mean, so I out of 10, what do you give it? I would give it a solid seven. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Um, do you do you know? Do you have any last thoughts, or are you ready to for me to no nope. to Just show a my tell? Effort by Charlize. Mm. Okay. So, um, yeah, Am Flex. It's a stinker. I don't know. I don't know what more <laughs> I could tell you. <laughs> uh, it's. <laughs> It's bad. Like it's, it it just is, and you know, no, no, uh, you know, no. There's no beating around the bush, Mike. Um, and you know, it's, uh, it's not, it's not Thrones' fault. She, you know, she she dominates every scene that she's in. She's, um, but the story is kind of like, um. You know, I haven't seen the anime, so you know I don't have a, you know I don't have that context. Um, so to me, watching it, it, it just felt like, it really just felt like they were trying to rip off the Matrix so hard. Um, post-matrix, and right? what? It was post Matrix. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and it, it just felt like they were trying to rip that off, just so hard, and. Um, but without any of the, like the, it just, it, it felt like, it felt like Power Rangers, Mike. It felt like Power Rangers. Mm-hmm. Um, like all the, you know, all the really cool, like, you know, fly by wire, um, you know, the, you know, the, the cool, you know, Hong Kong action of, you know, the, the mm-hmm. matrix it just it wasn't there um yeah and uh, i i think a lot of it was just the, the you know the cinematography isn't great just just weird angles for action sequences the the whip pans and like the the it, it just didn't showcase action well it didn't frame action well um yeah. and it did it you know it tried to do the the you know the old school like slow slow down before right. a bunch of kicks and stuff but it just it didn't have the charm and a lot of times when people were shooting they would just like stand still and shoot and then they would be confused as to why they got shot back and fell over um <laughs> but i mean so the, the the gen- the plot is just very generic sci-fi. Um, Shirley Saron is this, you know, super soldier, um, and she's part of this terrorist cell, and they all are able to communicate telepathically. And like her, 
And one day they come back from a mission and she finds out her sister um, has been murdered and she kind of uh, tries to find out, you know, who's responsible. So they go to assassinate the leader of their government. And but then they find out that their group has just been like used, like manipulated from behind the scenes. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, she finds out that she's like a clone or something. And then right. that's where it uh, gets weird. And then there's like they find out that like only a small percentage of the Earth's female population is able to like conceive children or something. And her and like some of the other clones that she was a part of were part of a a cloning program to like repopulate the earth or something. And then mm-hmm. they, I, I don't, they, they like something for whatever reason, they decide to destroy all the clones, but she survives somehow. Yeah. And, um, and then the movie is just about her, like regaining her, her freedom, but at the cost of like, like all her friends die. <laughs> yeah and yeah it's just kind of it's just like your generic sci-fi action dystopian movie and you know i i like charlize is she's she's fine she's like one of the the lone bright spots in the movie right she's she delivers her action well she delivers you know the writing isn't the greatest but you know that's not her fault um and uh yeah no it's it's fine i i can see why people really dislike it uh it's and it's it's funny because it's it's understandable why people don't like it like it's bad but it's not bad enough to be a cult classic if that makes sense yeah i mean you did skip over the best parts oh yeah she has a sidekick who has like hands for feet oh yeah (laughs) yeah and uh, they they communicate by putting the like a metal M M&M and M down each other's throats using the tongue. Oh yeah 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 they that's how they communicate like telepathically. Right. I forgot about, I forgot about the the kissing. <laughs> it doesn't she have to climb like a huge rope to get into a blimp to talk to like the grandmaster? Yeah, it's like a yeah, it's like this weird sci-fi space blimp like it's like they want you to think it's made out of a material that's futuristic but it kind of just looks like aluminum foil Mm -hmm. and she like basically climbs up like a bed sheet yeah and just looking at the trailer again i'm reminded Mm -hmm. of what the whole purpose of this movie was and that was to see Charlize theron and skimpy outfits like that was a hundred percent the purpose of this movie. Yeah. So I mean, not great. Um, you know, I I would give it maybe a four out of ten. Um, <laughs> well. Um. Yeah. IMDb gives it a five point four out of ten. So. Oh well. There's always the the fans that love it. Right. Right. And like to me, like it it lacks any of the kind of like whimsy and fun that make bad movies enjoyable to watch um mm. like i think of have you seen like bulletproof monk or yes, unfortunately. Um, 
so like that or like equilibrium i yes. i would i would put in like that same sort of category where they're kind of just mindless senseless doesn't really make sense action sci-fi movie uh but those other movies have a certain joie de vie and i think it's just because it i think Ian flux is trying too hard to be taken seriously mm-hmm. where if they just kind of like leaned into the absurdity it would have been better received maybe i don't know yeah it did win two stinker awards which i didn't know that was a Whoa. Prestigious. Yeah. Um, Do you remember the movie Ultraviolet with Mila Jovovich, which came out a year after? Yes. Um, Like, so that, those were the popular things out there. You know, you get a chick, you, you put her in some skimpy tight outfit and you make her do like Trinity moves. Right. Hopefully the story makes sense, but they didn't really care that much. Right. Right, and and that was kind of like where female action heroes were kind of dying, right? Like in the yeah. the early two thousands, like that was the like, hey, at least we're making movie with these women actors in them, right? And yeah. you're like, well, <laughs> okay, Hollywood, but can we get a little substance to them, please? And I think that's really what's important to get from Anne Flux. I think is to mm-hmm. look back at that. And then to 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 put that up against her character in Mad Max, right? Like it's totally the opposite, right? Like she's not in, you know, these really revealing clothes. She's missing an arm, right? She's dusty. She's grimy, and mm-hmm. her presence in the movie, you know, isn't about her looks. It's, you know, it's who it's her acting and her her talent at violence, and mm-hmm. uh, she kicks. Serious butt, and um, right. yeah, it's great. Absolutely. And, you know, you can rip most of her hair off in Mad Max, and she can still be worth watching. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. But, you know, not to say that she can't look beautiful while kicking butt, right? Like, she's, yeah. you know, she still looks great in Atomic Bond. She looks great in, you know, uh, in The Old Guard. Um but, you know, she can do it all. Like, she's not just about the skimpy outfits. Right. And I think they totally... I mean, she was young back in 2003, so they had to they had to win over the male audience. And so, they, of course, they're going to put her in tight whatevers. Right. Um, but, you know, now, I think that's the greatest thing you can a female actress can do is her, like, when they earn the right to wear normal clothes or movie-appropriate clothes. Um, you know, once that happens, then they can start making movies that they actually like. Right, for sure. And and like you said, like you look at the trailer for Aniflex, you're like, oh, this is just a vehicle to to oogle at a hot lady. Mm-hmm. Whereas now you're like, that's like a an added bonus, right? Like, yeah, you know, you can't say that you're you're not, you know, you don't get a little excited when you see John Wick in a nice suit. You know, the same thing goes for Anna de Armas when she's wearing a nice ball, ball gown in James Bond, you know? Yeah. You gotta, it, it's not, you know, it's nice when you're able to do that, but that shouldn't be the focus. Right. And as I'm looking at the Mad Max Fury Road trailer and the Aeon Flux trailer, I'm realizing two different attitudes towards Charlize. 
and Aeon Flux was about seeing her whole body flipping, flying, moving, slinking. Uh, right. While Aeon Flux is, or while Mad Max Fury Road is all about seeing her face in her and expressions and mm. close-ups. And so, like, they definitely, she definitely earned her the right to be seen as an actress with facial features other other than just a body. Right, right. And I definitely think she, she's definitely paved the way for, for other actresses. So, you know, the, 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 the bar for entry isn't so high. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you think of, you know, modern day, like, female action actresses. You know, I, I think that they owe a lot to her. And I, I think she's mm-hmm. definitely very... Um. Uh, you know, she—they—they they, they were a debt of gratitude. Yeah. Also, if you see the first uh, Mad Max, it's the first one has li- like the atmosphere is so different from the ones that we're used to now. Like that Mad Max had the first one had like grass, nice suburban houses. Right, uh, like some British guys that look like they got out of a bar, just being kind of bullies. Right, uh, and then you have like this one, where like everyone's wearing like metal on their face and has robotic arms and you know slave women. It's right, so weird. Right, for sure, for sure. Can't we return to Thunderdome? <laughs> Don't we all? Mm-hmm. Um, weren't they? Uh, they were supposed to be like a sequel. That was supposed to come out. Maybe that's just been in the the works for a while, wasn't there? I thought there was like there's supposed to be an all female like around that like group. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe Not someday. Maybe someday. Um, but okay. So imagine if Charlize Theron. We have to talk about superheroes um, a little bit. We're put into these fandoms. I, I yeah. wrote down four fandoms, yeah. and you would need to come up with a role for her to play that she would really shine in. If yeah. she was in, okay, so the first one is Batman, the second one is Star Trek, the third one is G.I. Joe, the fourth one is Toy Story. Yeah. I also got our Discord to weigh in on this, and they actually came up with some amazing answers, so I'm going to read those. Yeah. But you tell me what you think she would do in those roles. For sure, for sure. Um, should we should we hit it right in order? Yeah. Um. So I I think, um. I think the direction that Batman is heading now, of course, is like, um. Younger, right? Like Robert Pattinson and yeah. Um. So I think that she. I don't think Charlie Theron necessarily fits in that universe but to me if i were um to expand the nolan uh universe and Mm -hmm. that time period i think Charlize theron would be a perfect barbara gordon slash oracle in that universe um oh my gosh yeah like i think that she's yeah i think she's perfect for that right like yeah um i think the the you know the the current like birds of prey barbara gordon is right up Charlize Theron's alley right like she's yeah. definitely no holds bar 
definitely more she doesn't have as many qualms as you know the rest of the bat family about mm-hmm. doing what needs to be done and you know if she has to kill she has to but if she you know she she'll avoid it as if possible but she's not you know unwilling to and um right and i think that she she's a little bit more morally ambiguous and um i think that that conflict between um how she views criminals as you know barbara gordon and um as oracle would be a great kind of foil to christian bale's batman because i think christian bale batman is he's right like the 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 running theme is right he's a symbol right he does the things that he has to do so gotham can be can be pure right like he yeah he like he's he's willing to get his hands dirty but he still has he still has lines that he won't cross and mm-hmm. um and i think that conflicting like that going against you know barbara gordon and being like well you know because you know because you weren't willing to go far enough you know you, the results are you know what happens with bane and um like i would love to i love to see like you know when Batman is gone from, uh, you know Gotham in that time after he he gets broken by Bane. You know like Barbara Gordon and Charlie Theron is, you know trying to keep the city together and, um, you know she she has to do things that she's not proud of and, um, when they come back there's a bit of conflict about what needs to be done but then in the end they they kind of, they work it out and they're they're able to, you know they're able to to, to save the day. So yeah, to me I, I think that's a no brainer. What do you think? Yeah, my Batman pick for her, if she was in um, the Pattinson universe, mm. she would definitely be a good, like, corrupt politician. Yeah, for or, sure. like, a politician with a secret. Yeah, sure, sure. Maybe like, maybe Court of Owls? Maybe she's, you know, in there? Oh, yes, that'd be perfect. I would even maybe, maybe go as far as to say... Though I don't think she could pull off the monster, she would be like a, a female uh, Two Face. Mm. Um, no, I I love that actually. I think that's I think that would be really. I think she would nail that. Yeah. Um, if she was in like maybe maybe ten years ago, if they ever made a remake to Batman Returns, she'd be a great Catwoman. Yeah, honor. I could see that. Yeah. Um, in the Nolan universe, I think you nailed it with Barbara Gordon. I think she would be amazing. Um, I don't know. Should I go into what our? No, I won't go with what our crowd says yet. Okay, move on yeah. to Star Trek. <laughs> um, Mike, I I think that there's one answer and one answer only. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, she has to be seven of nine, right? Like there's oh my gosh yes right there's no other there's no other role for her, um, I mean I I think yeah she's, she's definitely not a Donna Troy, <laughs> right for sure, <laughs> um yeah I think that she kind of she fits that character perfectly right like she's no nonsense, right to the point yeah um commands each room that she walks into, you know and yeah she's no nonsense I actually. I I thought about maybe gender swapping uh Riker uh but oh, I went 
I went with seven of nine. I, I, yeah, I, I think she's perfect for seven of nine. If they if they do like a you know like a modern like you know with a Chris Pine, um, that sort of universe of yeah of Star Trek, I think if yeah, I think she'd be a perfect seven of nine. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, yeah, I would say like I can't think of anyone else other than seven of nine. Um, <laughs> or. Like all I can think of is Donna Troy or, uh, you know, uh, Gamora. Or Gamora, but oh, Uhura. You could, yeah. Like, there's that's definitely a no. Um, <laughs> so it has to be right. Right. I mean, yeah. I think that there's a lot more like female characters in later versions of Star Trek, like Janeway and Chakotay, and yeah, um, not Chakotay. Um, yeah, just like yeah, like Janeway or um mm-hmm. whatever but uh yeah i yeah but i, I think she's perfect to seven and nine like I, I can't see anything else or or playing like the delegate like the royal delegate of a planet that has to uh like meet the uss enterprise and for some reason she has like a secret she'd be she'd be good at that role <laughs> um yeah for for sure um no, I, I totally, I could see it. Um, I mean, you know, I, I feel like she could replace Benedict Cumberbatch very easily. Yes. Um, She'd be, oh, she would be a good con. Yeah, I, I think she, yeah. So, she's got yeah, the blonde hair. She does have the blonde hair. She, you know, she's, she's got, she's got the cerebral thing down. Um, But no, I, I think the perfect role is, is seven of nine and, um, yeah, I think that's, yeah, she a, a has to gender be. swapped Star Trek, uh, with, with, uh, Jennifer Lawrence as Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> She's gone. Yes. Uh, I love that. That's so yes. great. Yeah. Jennifer Lawrence would be Picard or, um, sorry, <laughs> Kirk, Kirk. Yeah. Um, GI Joe. Ooh. Um, so this was, I mean, don't get me wrong, tons of really great female Joes, um, but what just kept coming to mind is how sick would she be as a gender swap Storm Shadow? Well, wow, uh, right? That role is usually for Asians. So true, very they, true. That'd be amazing if they could pull it off. For sure, and I I get that I I, I totally totally I mean, get that. The movie based off of Storm Shadow, or mm. um, I mean, they did a really bad job representing him because he's supposed to be mute, and right? So talkative in that movie, so they couldn't have done worse. Like very talkative, and you know, this is you know. In a in our our universe, and you know we get to recast and we get to redo things as mm-hmm. as we see fit. I mean, I yeah, I I just she she just I don't know she just screams storm shadow to me, right? Like the 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 physical menace of of storm shadow, right? Like his like when he walks into the room, you're like, oh, that Cobra Commander, he seems kind of silly, right, with his little cape and all that, but like. Storm Shadow, Storm Shadow's like the bad guy, right? Like he's the one that you're physically yeah. scared of, and um, 
yeah, I, I, I love to, I love to see it. And, you know, I, I definitely, definitely agree. I, I think that we, you, you got to definitely be sensitive and you want to cast, um, you want to, yeah. you want to cast with respect to the characters. Um, we but... don't want another, uh, ghost in the shell, uh, <laughs> Scar Joe incident. <laughs> for, for sure. For sure. Um, <laughs> So that would right. be hilarious. Like I can see right. that in an SNL skit. <laughs> right. But you forgot, Mike, that we're casting this in a world where, you know, things you know, things are things are good, right? Things are nice. We things, can make you know, it work. Yeah, we don't we don't have to worry we don't have to worry about that. We don't have to worry about racism. We don't yeah. have to worry about you know, this is a fantasy world. Um right. But, oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, most people don't know there's a G.I. Joe agent named CoverGirl who was, like, this beautiful... She Before she became a Joe, she was this beautiful model. Um, <laughs> but then, like, she kind of got up there in age or she decided on, like, a career change. And mm. so she's kind of known as, like, the hot G.I. Joe of the group. But like every like that's her secret power is everyone overestimates or underestimates her, and then she shows that like she can repair a car or that she can dive and do welding underneath the water, um, and that's kind of like she has all these she has like the gifts of a seal, but she's got like these gorgeous looks. So I thought that would be a a, a cool take on the character. Yeah, for sure. You were gonna say something. Oh yeah. Um. Uh. So yeah. So my mind kept going to uh to Snake Eyes or not Snake Eyes, uh, Storm Shadow. Um. Okay. But, um, if I didn't want a gender swap, um, okay. I mean, I, I feel like there's no other answer than just Baroness, right? Like she's. Like, she has to be Baroness. My God, she was made for it, Adam. Right, like, that's what I'm saying. After the Huntsman, um, <laughs> it pretty much solidified that she was going to be Baroness. Right. And so I, I'm like, once again, the Snake Eyes movie had a lot of weak castings. Like yeah, their sure. their version of Scarlet, which I think she would be a great Scarlet too. Um, was just she, kind of like uh, she'll play all the female Joes. Yeah, she, it was a, like their version of Scarlet was a literal Scarlet Johansson uh, watered down, like the we have Scarlet at home, right? Kind of, and like I was so I was so sad that that was the best they could do with her, um, and like their Baroness kind of was weak as well. So like I. I've often, like, I wrote an article once talking about what if uh, Nolan made a G.I. Joe movie. It'd be and, sick. Yeah. Really just wrote into the strength and the espionage and intrigue of all the characters and the politics behind it. And, uh, I think she would be prime for any one of those characters. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um. And then finally, the fun one, Toy Story. Where would she what? fit in the Toy Story movie? Mike, I mean, it's, uh, again, I, I, I got two characters 
you know, especially in, in drawing from the recent one, my mind first immediately got drawn to Duke Kaboom, uh, you know, played by Keanu. You know, the comparisons have been made tonight. We've beaten that horse very dead. Um, yeah, and so I, I think that she'd be great. And I would love for her to keep her South African accent for that. Um, I think that'd be really funny as Duke Kaboom. Uh, but I would also, I also think that she's perfect uh, for Bo Peep and, you know, that, that Toy Story movie as well. Because she kind of gets the live this whole, action. Right? Like yeah. she's, um, you know, because in that in that Toy Story, Bo Peep has become kind of like this scavenger survivor kind of. She's got like an edge to her, and I think Charlize Theron would be perfect for either of those two roles. I think a gender swapped Duke Boom or Bo Peep. I think it's just calling her name. Well, now that Mattel is starting, like, has 18 movies in the hole uh, after Barbie. Um, I think she'd play a great Polly Pocket in the Toy Story universe <laughs> if she was the leader of, like, these tiny women who were, were, like, they're really nicely dressed and they have, like, you know, these teenage clothes and all these accessories, but they, they live like these savage tiny women that, like, have their <laughs> own tribe. I think that would be a lot of fun for her. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, no, I, I think that these are all... Um, yeah, I think these are all incredible ideas. Yeah. Um, yeah, I... Yeah, I, I love all these. I love all these ideas. Now I want to Now I want to see... I want to see these, Mike. And every time yeah. we do an episode, we always talk, we always dream... And then I get a little sad because I know deep inside we can never see these. Well, you know what the philosopher says. Don't let your dreams be dreams. <laughs> Just do it. Yes. Um, see, now all I can think about is just a Charlize Theron voiced little people um, yes. toy. And he, she's just kicking butt and taking names. Yep. As a spear for some reason. Yeah, right. Um, Made out of like a toothpick. Yes. So uh, on our film logic chat, which is part of the mm. retro logic chat, um, Presto the Magnificent says that in the Batman universe, she should play Batman, which I think I mean, might be, that might be cruel. She she would be a good billionaire. Um, yeah. She could be the female Batman, uh, which is Batwoman, um, which has her own kind of you know, her series kind of got messed up. Um, for Star Trek, he said Speck. I don't know who Speck is. I, I maybe can't... it's just a typo for Spock? Yeah, maybe. That, that was where my brain went first. Um, for G.I. Joe, he wrote G.I. Jane, which is a different movie. But I'm sure if she he was creating a character called G.I. Jane, she'd do very well. <laughs> And maybe maybe a speck is a female Spock. Um, maybe and Toy Story. I love this answer. Andy's mom, like, interesting. That's genius. I can totally see it. Mm-hmm. Octo Rock nineteen eighty two says I could I'd cast her as Poison Ivy in Batman for sure. Yeah, I I, I love that. Yeah, 
I think she kind of brings that same sort of energy that Uma Thurman brought in, yeah. you know, in years past. But less dancing. Yeah, I think she'd bring a certain gravitas to it. I love it. Yeah, like I like the idea of a like a Nolan universe that uh, where Poison Ivy is very grounded, not like a magical witch, but more of like this very terrorist. Uh, unhinged bioterrorist yes yeah for sure greenpeace gone too far no um, i think we all we all want that yeah <laughs> we all want more nolan universe batman yeah um solo we miss him and yes I, I, you know we miss he he'd be talking right now if he would yeah but he he wrote uh, his Batman would be Huntress. Like, yeah, I think yeah, that's absolutely. great. Star Trek Borg Queen. I yeah, can totally I mean, do that. Yeah, in in line with five of seven. Yep. Uh, GI Joe Zorana. I, oh, I have to Google that because I don't know who Zorana is, and I pride myself in GI Joe. Um. Oh. Oh, she's kind of like this pink-haired punk type girl. Part of the Dreadnought characters. Interesting. And she's a master of disguise. Okay, yeah. Okay, okay. So kind of going Mad Max in there. In Toy Story, he wrote a smartphone. She could play Siri. (laughs) The Siri of Toy Story. Yeah, I love the idea of like, you know, Woody and Buzz are zipping around an RC car and they like need directions and they, you know, pop open a kid's like cricket yeah. like phone and choose the voice that's great oh even the idea that like toy story 6 would be the kids are on their smartphones and toys are dying losing <laughs> like imagination life it seems like a, a brilliant idea yeah make it happen yep so i think we nailed it on the head charlie's theron um i don't know if you're listening but we're definitely going to hashtag your name in Twitter. So I hope that gets your attention. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Yeah. thank you for everything that you do. And I'm interested in seeing what free movies pop up that I can watch. Yeah. And I, I think the one thing that we can walk away, if there's anything we can walk away from in this is, you know, Charlie Theron would sh- absolutely shine in whatever role you put her in, and mm-hmm. um, that's why she's, you know, the the ultimate block summer blockbuster actor. Yeah, you know, it's one of those people that when you see their name on the DVD cover, you're like, okay, there's part at least part of this movie I'm gonna enjoy. And you can, there's not too many people you can say that about. I know you can say that about Tom Hanks. And Daniel Craig, but no one else. Um, Well, anyways, thank you, everyone, for listening and taking this journey with us. Um, As we go through summer, Adam will figure out what Oppenheimer and Barbie's all about. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm probably going to figure out, I'm going to see probably some movie um, and rave about it. Hey, I mean, I I got tickets for uh, the the Ninja Turtles movie coming up, and I'm oh, pretty excited for that. Yeah, I'm going to be talking about that as well. We definitely should. And maybe, just maybe, we'll see Blue Beetle. Who knows? 
Um, Here's hoping. Yep. Anyways, I've been Mike. I'm Adam. And thank you for watching uh, Film Logic. And by watching, I mean listening. All right. <laughs> <Yep>. Bye. Bye. <laughs>